Happy New Year's, everyone. Justin Michael of DNVR Rams here, and I have to tell you about an excellent opportunity that my friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier are providing for all of you. Right now, you're probably hearing how excellent these great mortgage rates are. But Mike and Virginia, they're not your typical mortgage company. Sure, they have phenomenal rates, but what makes them different? Mike is a certified financial planner, and he looks at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you feel like a person, not a number. That's what it's all about. Whether looking at refinancing your current mortgage or buying a new home, Mike and Virginia will make the process as simple and smooth as possible. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. I'm telling you, Mike and Virginia, they're the best around. They're a husband and wife duo with over 15 years of financial experience. And they're going to work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com for your opportunity to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. Start planning for your future today. If you're a little more old school, you're looking to talk on the phone, that's all right. Call Mike directly. Give him a call at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. What's up, everyone? We are back with more DNVR Madness, a national extension of our college basketball coverage. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the CSU Rams. I'm joined by Ben Girding. He covers the CU Buffs. We both love college basketball. And man, there's just so much to talk about. There's way too much to talk about. So we're going to try and compress it all. Just a ton has happened since we recorded last. Ben, hope you had a great holiday. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I was able to go back home to Ohio, see some family. I'm back in Boulder, Colorado now. And yeah, like you said, since the last time we recorded, it feels like there have been so many upsets. It's so difficult to count on a hand. So, you know, we're going to do things like you said, we're going to have to compress. This is going to be more of a, a quick hitter. The big takeaways. We're not going to dive into each game today. Instead, we're just going to talk about all the important points and, you know, it should be easier to digest, but still a ton of fun. Definitely. And, and honestly, with how much we love talking college basketball, we could just sit here and record for hours, but we have other obligations. And Ben is still trying to get over that, uh, the Alamo bowl loss. So we just got to, oh. we got to let him be and respect him during this tough times. I'm just during a very trying time. <laughs> yeah, trying times. He needs your thoughts and prayers. Um, Screw Hank. We're not giving him any kind of props because he's not here, but keep Ben in your thoughts. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. Anyways, <laughs> let's let's just start talking about the Big Ten, which it, it's playing out exactly like we thought it would. All of these teams look pretty good, but they're all beating each other, and it's going to be really hard. It's really kind of keeping them lower in the rankings. It's kind of a weird deal. I think it's the best conference, and they don't have any teams in like the top eight. Yeah, it's such a fascinating dynamic of what's going on in the Big Ten because you're right. They don't have anybody in the top eight, and it's only because they're beating each other. And it's just so interesting to think about long term because this Big Ten, yeah, they're probably not going to have as many teams in the top five as maybe, you know, the big 12 because Kansas and Baylor, they only have to play each other twice, you know, or teams like that. 
But the Big Ten realistically could be producing an unheard of amount of seeds come the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I mean, let's just start with Minnesota. Nine and one right now. They're sitting at two and one in the conference. They had a fantastic week. The Golden Gophers, you know, they beat How Iowa. Not which, them, dude. I, I, Neither of us were, had them in our top 25, <laughs> and it's a total oversight. So Gophers fans, yep. we're sorry. Yeah, I mean, after after the week that they had, that is, it, it's a complete bluff because, you know, for Minnesota, they lost a tough game to Illinois. They lost by almost 30 points. And that Illinois team is, they're getting lower and lower as time goes on. I was pretty high on them in, in the beginning. I would assume he is a fantastic basketball player, but that team is just struggling to put it together consistently. Then it's Minnesota maybe middle three, of the pack. I'm, I, I don't mean to interrupt you here. I've done no, that twice now, but. Yeah, Illinois, I came in really high on them thinking they're a, you know, a top, maybe even a five or six team. And each week it's like, man, they're, they're more like 20, 21. It's kind of a weird deal. Yeah, it's, it's, they just need to keep putting, they they need to put it together consistently. They had a, a, a fine start to the season, but conference play has really just shown that, that they have more holes than, than maybe we originally thought. And so, you know, Minnesota, three straight wins against St. Louis, Huge win against Iowa, which, I mean, that's just a game where if you if you beat Iowa, it's a shootout, and it just shows that your offense can run. And then to turn around and beat Michigan State as well, beat Michigan State handily. That final score was eighty-one to fifty-six. I mean, this Minnesota team all of a sudden is is rearing to go. Whereas you know they take down Iowa, they take down Michigan State, some of the top dogs in the conference. I mean. It's tough to say because right now we could say, oh, okay, Minnesota might be in the driver's seat to get a top couple seeds in, in the Big Ten tournament, and then they'll probably lose two more times this week because that's just how that conference works. It is a cluster of activity, and it is so much chaos. I love it. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. They're getting good just in time for them to lose. Like We're all recognizing. We're <laughs> buying in. We got all this gopher stock. And they'll probably drop a couple of games and slip out of the, you know, everybody's attention. But Richard Patino, a guy that was, you know, kind of on the hot seat going into last season, escaped, kept his job. Now he's got all kinds of momentum. I mean, at this point, he's probably safe. You beat Iowa on Christmas Day. That's a big time win. And the way that they did it, that was just a really, really fun game. I mean, Iowa, they were they were up like eight with 10 minutes to go. And they just came storming back out of nowhere. Minnesota, I really, really love uh, their point guard. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name here. I got to pull it up. Uh, Marcus Carr, man. 48% from the field, 40% from three, 24 points per game. He, he made some really, really tough shots in that too. Two absurd threes in the final minute. One of them was like a crossover step back. Another one coming off of a three from NBA range. Minnesota, man. They're on, they're on our radar. And we should have had them in the top 25. I'm sorry. I hope they keep winning just so we can get them in the top 25 and, and get them that rightful recognition. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really happy you brought up Marcus Carr because I mean that kid just takes big time shots and he saves his best games for, for those big moments. 30 points against Iowa. You know, it, when you're going up against Luca Garza, all the attention is just going to be Luca Garza. And, and it seems as though you know, when you're playing a team like Iowa with someone who holds kind of the, the, the top of that player of the year ranking, you know, that's just where the attention is going to be. You're not going to get the recognition you might deserve even when you put up 30 points. But it's not just that. He's got strong averages across the board. And Minnesota is just, I mean, 
they're here to ball. They're, they've shown that they can take care of business against lower teams as well as, I mean, you know, beating Michigan State, that is no easy task. And, you know, maybe at this point, I kind of want to transition to Michigan State because top five team, top 10 team in the beginning of the year, some tough losses. They now sit at six and three. They've lost three straight games to Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Now, those three teams are good because, again, everyone in the Big Ten is good. But if you're Michigan State, you know, you, you would have liked to at least gotten one of those because, yeah, two of them were on the road and road games to college basketball so hard. But going 0-3 in that opening conference schedule is just not a good look for your program. I don't know, man. Mr. March, we can't, we can't give up on Izzo just about yet. I think it's the long con. They're losing early. They want everybody to give up on them. They want, you know, we're all thinking, oh, look at everybody else in the Big Ten. Minnesota, oh, the Gophers. It's just what Izzo wants. They're going to come in right under the radar, get like a 12 seed, end up upsetting a five seed. It's going to be classic Michigan State, make a run to the Sweet 16. I don't know. This, I'm just trying to convince myself here because I, I thought this team was going to be a lot better than they were. I mean, I, I know they lost a, you know, a lottery guy, but at this point, man, it, it's a lot like Illinois. They just kind of seem like a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. Yeah, I, and I, I completely agree. They're going to be in the tournament, and they're still going to make some noise in that first weekend. But as far as expectations coming into this year, you know, they should have been up there with Iowa as far as Big Ten champs. And it's just, you know, you know it, it's concerning to say the least. But with that being said, they still, I mean, that is a tough way to start out conference play because Northwestern and Wisconsin, I mean, we talked about Minnesota now, both of those teams are also very good. Now they can kind of take a little bit of a step back. They've got Nebraska, a big time game against Rutgers, who Rutgers has shown a lot of highs, but also, you know, that loss to Ohio State, I I think that's, I'm not as high on Ohio State as a lot of other people. I think Rutgers really should have taken care of business with them. So it's just interesting. And I feel like talking about the big 10 is such a tangent because every sentence is like, Oh, we need to go talk about this team. We need to go talk about that team. So I'm just going to pivot then again, you know, Northwestern, that's a team you beat Michigan state, Indiana and Ohio state three, three, very solid wins. You lost one to Iowa. I'm not going to discredit them too much because I still do think Iowa's a top 10 team in the country. You know, I mean, man, Northwestern, a team that I, I didn't give a lot of love to in the beginning of the season. I, I put them in at just 25 just because I, I do want to see them do it, uh, you know, more consistently keep it up. But I mean, right now, if you had to put money on any of these teams to win the big 10, I have no earthly idea where I would go with it. I think you still got to lean Iowa just with the scoring that they have. And I think some weird stuff's going to happen. Iowa's going to lose more games in the big 10 that they just shouldn't. And it's going to be because, you know, those teams are pretty good. It's not going to be one of those where it's like, oh, everybody panic. And I think that's kind of what happened this week. I didn't drop Iowa very much after that loss because at the end of the day, it's one of those words. We've seen them do it on a consistent basis at this point. And, you know, them, Gonzaga, Houston, there's really Kansas. There's only a couple of teams where we've seen it on a consistent scale against quality opponents. And I just think, you know, it's one of those, yeah, they lost, they lost a tough game on the road, on Christmas Day, in overtime, where they just kind of ran out of gas, they're going to be fine. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, I think Wisconsin is still up there in that conversation. They lost a tough game to Maryland, and Maryland is also a a solid basketball team. They're sitting at 6-3, and so that's not a a terrible loss. And and also, you know, Wisconsin – 
that early season buzzer beater against Marquette, I, you know, that that's one of those where, again, we talked about Marquette last week. They're a team that looks great one night, looks tough the next. So I still think Wisconsin is going to be right up there as well. Um, you know, the interesting thing is there's only one undefeated team conference schedule right now, and that's in the Big Ten, and that's Michigan. You know, they've only played seven games so far compared to some other nine tens. But this is a team where I'm real excited because they still haven't played anyone very good. Their best win is probably against, oh, God, Nebraska, maybe Penn State, you know, one of those type of games. They've got Maryland, Northwestern, and Minnesota coming up in the next three-game stretch. That's going to be a huge telltale sign for Michigan. Are they Are they for real? Are they a pretender? We don't know yet. And, and so it's kind of tough because the way non-conference has played out this season in particular, some teams have played those big-time matchups. Other teams, you know, like take for USC, for example, in the Pac-12, they've only played five games to this point. So it's so tough to know who's legit, who's actually here to play. That's one team I'm really excited to watch over the course of the next seven to 10 days, because if they end up going even just one and two, two and one in these next games and they compete in the losses, that's another team where I think, you know, is still not getting a whole lot of attention just because they haven't had those games yet, but they still are very talented. Totally. Michigan seems like a team that's dangerous. We need to see more from them at this point. I, I like what you brought up, but it's so hard comparing these teams with the different sample sizes. I mean, look at a team like Drake. They're 11 and 0, first team to go 10 and 0 in the country. They haven't beaten a ton of good teams. You know, how much stock do you put into them? I put them in my top 25 because at some point, 11 and 0 is an 11 and 0, and they're winning yeah. big. You know, they're they're 11 and 0 against the spread as well. So they're they're just beating the hell out of teams. It's a weird time. I want to ask you before we move on and talk about the Big East. Right now, who would you say is your number two team in the Big Ten? Because I think Iowa, we both agree, is probably, you know, still number one. Who's your, like, two, three, four? Yeah, you know, so, I, like I said, Wisconsin, I, I still am high on Wisconsin. I think that really could be the number two team. And then after that, it, it's tough. You know, at this point, I'd be hard-pressed to not name Minnesota because they're 9-1, and one. And they had a very impressive stretch, you know, and, and their one loss is to Illinois, who they've shown flashes. And, you know, Illinois is a team that can, that can ha, has shown they can score points in a hurry. That was a tough loss. Uh, they ended up losing, like I said, by almost 30. But I, I do think they're a, a competitive team. You know, outside of that, I, I'm not very high on Ohio State. I'm really not. I think they've gotten the ball to bounce their way on a couple of different occasions, particularly, you know, I look at that UCLA game, UCLA, that was, that was a tough way for them to finish that game. Um, And also Purdue, you know, that was another close game that I was watching. I'm still not sold on them. Michigan state is another one where it's just Michigan state gets that benefit of the doubt because you know who Tom Izzo is. So I think, you know, you've got all those teams kind of competing for that two, three, four spot. I agree. I think Iowa is in a class of their own. But to that point, I think winning the regular season and winning the postseason tournament are going to be two completely different animals. I think Iowa, they could go either way here. They could lose a couple games they really should win, lose the regular season title, but just destroy in the tournament or vice versa. So I do think they're the best team, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee them, you know, both both titles. Um, you know, where are you at with them? What, what do you have behind Iowa? 
I'm kind of in the same spot where you're at. I think Wisconsin is based on what we've seen. They're probably that number two team. Don't fault them too much for losing at Marquette. They got DJ Carton. He hit a bunch of good big shots in that game. It was on the road. And and so, you know, it's somewhat of a rivalry in-state type game. Marquette was definitely up for it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I just, uh, that 3-4 is kind of where I'm really stuck. I, I guess I'll give Northwestern some love based on what they've done. But, you know, we've already talked about how we want to see it on a larger scale. So right now, I guess I'd go Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. But Minnesota would probably be my four. And it's going to be weird because if you ask me next week, it could be, you know, three different teams at two through four. Yep. That's just the the beauty of the Big Ten, you know, the the, the beauty of the chaos of college basketball. And, and I'm going to touch on it again. I think Michigan could be a sleeper pick here, depending on how these next three games go, because it's just so hard to tell where they're at without those big time games. So, Again, next week, Michigan could realistically be two or three for me. It just really depends. This next stretch is going to be pivotal for them as far as national credibility. Number 15 in Ken Palm, Michigan. Rutgers is 18, and we didn't really give them a ton of love, so... No, you know, and and real quick, too, then, just just to touch on Rutgers, because you're right, we did not give them a ton of love. Their one loss to Ohio State... That was just a game you kind of wish if you're Rutgers, you kind of kind of wish you get that back. That was a game, though, that I thought Rutgers really got the short end of the whistle. Um, That was one where, you know, they they texted me about it. You were pissed that night. Oh, my. You know, and it's just it was just frustrating because it was a fantastic basketball game. And then the last 10 minutes, they had two bigs foul out. And then uh, there and then Rutgers point guard. I'm blanking on his name. Um, I think it was young. He got hurt uh, driving to the basket or, or on, on a play. And it just, just kind of fell apart for them in the last five, 10 minutes, a fantastic basketball game. So that's one where it's just, you know, that just hurts. But Rutgers, big time game on Saturday against Iowa. That's a chance where you can prove that you can hang. And then they turn around and have to go at Michigan State. I mean, yeah, I I think we dropped them down because, you know, they were undefeated and we we're just giving them that undefeated bump. But I dropped them down because that loss was a little tough. Still think they're they're up there as a top 20, top 15 team at this point. They split these next two games. I think they're probably firmly back in that top 25 conversation. I mean, even if they lose both and they're competitive and they're able to win after that, they probably still, you know, jump up. I don't think anybody's panicking on them. I will say I lost some money on that game that killed one of my parlays. <laughs> so come on, Rutgers, get it together. But uh, let's move on. Dawson let's talk about Justin. <laughs> that's all we ever care about right let's uh, let's move on to the big east though because i think this is a conference that we really like it's one of those where it's just a classic college basketball conference and right now you've got three teams in my opinion that are really really talented and in a uh, villanova creighton and xavier 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 I, i'm never sure if i pronounce that 100 percent correctly <laughs> love all three of those teams very, very similar experienced teams, guys that can beat you from all over. They play as a team, shoot well from three. Where are you at on the Big East? I, I mean, Villanova, they, they've really gotten hot since that loss at Virginia Tech. Yeah, you know, they, they're on a six-game win streak right now, firmly in the top five. That Virginia Tech game now at this point, you can kind of chalk that up to just, you know, just wasn't their night. I love that you talked about the Big East as being, you know, this traditional great basketball conference. They play 
just such solid fundamental basketball. There aren't any sort, you know, they, they're not the type of teams that are recruiting your one and dones. They're not going to be like a blue blood, like Kentucky, North Carolina Duke, where they just, you know, they kind of rely on one or two star players. They just play great basketball. And that's why I love this conference because every game is competitive. Every game has beautiful basketball to watch Villanova. Yeah. They're, they're, they're at the top there. Creighton, they've gotten back on track. You know, they had a couple of, of tough losses. That Kansas loss, you don't really discredit that loss at all because it was a fantastic game. That loss to Marquette, again, Creighton is one of those teams that's in the Marquette bubble now where they were one of the ones that just got unlucky when Marquette was playing good, and now they just need to hope that they figure it out consistently. Unfortunately for them, Marquette is 5-5 five and five right now. Um, you know, and they're beating good teams, but they're not really lo- beating any – or, you know, they're beating some good teams. They're losing to some bad teams. It's a tough dynamic. And Xavier at 8-1, and one, they lost to Creighton, and it's just like that's expected. You expect that your top teams in your conference are going to split a couple of games. You know, I think it would be – incredibly impressive for them to to take care of business both times whether it be Creighton or Villanova but you know if you look at the big 12 you wouldn't really expect Kansas to take care of Baylor to, like sweep them on the season you know two three times including the tournament because that's just unrealistic so I think those three teams are absolutely in the front there and then also you know Seton Hall is a clear-cut four for me they are a team that they are always going to play good basketball. They're always going to get into the tournament because they just, their cups are so consistent. They've had a couple of tough breaks. They lost to Rhode Island, a tough loss to Oregon. Um, and then obviously then they lost to Providence in the conference. So they need to really clean up their, their record as far as conference play goes and show that they still do belong in that four spot. But yeah, you know, the Big East, not quite the same power dynamic as the Big Ten because in the East, you do have a clear-cut three top teams and then, you know, maybe a four or five in there that are that are good enough. Where are you at as far as how would you rank those top three? Is it pretty clear-cut for you? Yeah, right now, I think I'd go Villanova one, two Creighton just because they won that head-to-head and I'm still really high on them despite that Marquette loss. And then three Xavier, they're, they're a team that I wasn't as high on coming in. You, you kind of got them on my radar. You told me to watch them a little bit. I just love watching Villanova, man. They got four dudes averaging double digits, but I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Dude's just taking his game to a whole new level. Playing the same amount of minutes, but he's shooting 10% better from the floor, scoring six more points a game. He's a guy that can do it all. You know, he can shoot threes. He can post you up and dunk on you. I think NBA scouts got to be really excited about this dude. You would like to see him shoot, you know, a little better from threes, like a low 30%, 32% three-point shooter. So he's competent. He's not, you know, phenomenal. But that's solid, especially with what everything else that he brings to the table. You know, have you watched a lot of Nova this year? Where are you at with him? Do you see him as a potential, you know, top 15 pick? Oh, absolutely. I, he is, he's absolutely Villanova's wild card. Uh, as far as his growth this season has been impressive, but he continues to just show different things throughout each game, you know, and, and that's not saying that he's just consistently shooting up in the scoring column because, you know, it's unrealistic to make that expectation for any college basketball player. He's going to have some better nights shooting the ball and some worse nights, but he is so dynamic as far as being able to get into the post and also still being adequate enough from range 
that defenses have to play him true. You know, he's not a good looking shot. It's not like he has issues. It's a very good looking release. It's absolutely. And he's not in the situation where if he gets the ball at the top of the key, the defenders can drop back below the free throw line and let him shoot it. That's the beauty of his game is yeah. You'd love it if he could get a little bit more accurate from range, but he's still forcing defenders to come up, play him at the top of the arc. And then that means he can drive to the basket, which is his bread and butter. Get him moving, get him moving towards the rim. And then also with Villanova, you know, when you've got a guard like Colin Gillespie too, someone who's so solid, so, so solid he's efficient. He is exactly what you want out of a college basketball player. And also he's shooting the ball very well, 44% from the floor and 44% from three. Just gives Ooh. you that crutch. Just gives you that. Say those, say those one more time because those yeah. numbers are insane. <laughs> 44 from the field and 44% from three. My he, God. He just, he gives you that crutch. He gives you that ability as a, as a, as a playmaker, as someone, if you're playing next to Colin Gillespie, you have confidence that you're going to get good looks because whether he's distributing the ball or he's shot creating for himself or really just keeping the offense moving, it just has a great presence. And that's why they're so fundamentally sound is they've got these guys that just play good basketball. They're number three in Ken Palm right now. I'd have a number two in my preseason rankings above Baylor. I don't know. They're starting to make me look kind of smart. I still think Baylor's probably that number two team. They're so physical. They're going to be really hard for anybody to slow down. But Nova, man, they're a perfect tournament team. Really all these teams out of the Big East because they're experienced and they play smart. I mean, a lot of the attributes that we're just bragging, you know, on Villanova for, Xavier and Creighton have a lot of those same attributes and I just, I love this conference. It's what's good for college basketball. The one and done is exciting, especially if you're like an NBA guy. But if you really love college basketball and you're not one of those people that only tunes in in March and, and you know, for the NBA scouting stuff, these are what you, the teams you want to watch. They're, yeah. they're just worth it every single night. Fundamental basketball, good passing, good cutting, just unselfish, man. It's, it's uncommon, but I love it. Yeah. And they're also teams that I absolutely do not want to face because oh, not at all, even, you know, even if you get a Seton Hall or Xavier who end up coming in at, at a, a double digit seed, those are still, you know, th- those are not the games that I want to be betting on from a 10 to 12 seed range because they can make noise. They're not going to really beat themselves and, and they can just their fundamental basketball style is just going to force you into a lot of tough looks. So yeah, big East, they are a premier basketball conference. They're probably the third or fourth ranked basketball conference right now behind, I'd say, probably the Big Ten. You know, maybe you put the Big 12 in there as well just because of how top-heavy they are with, with Texas, West Virginia, Kansas, and Baylor. But, yeah, they're, they're up there with, with some of the best. Yeah, I mean, with what we've seen out of the ACC, I do like the SEC this year. I think there's a couple of strong teams in the SEC. But, yeah, they're definitely in that top three, four conference range. God, I'm so excited. I just, we should knock on wood because there's all kinds of weird stuff that could happen. But we're really assuming that there is going to be, you know, an NCAA tournament this year. They're doing it all in Indiana. You know, they're going to spend a ton of money to make this work logistically. So I'm just so excited because last spring sucked. Oh, yeah. It it was like this dark time where every weekend it was, I should have been watching college basketball for the last 14 hours. That was the darkest timeline. For sure. And I guess I love that they're planning to play this in Indiana because that's just maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's such a cool vibe, you know, whether they put it in, in Indiana or, you know, maybe even Kansas, just like 
Think about that, that rural country kind of feel. And then all of a sudden you've got 64 of the best basketball teams coming into play. It's just going to have, yeah, it's going to be different for sure. The, the atmosphere is going to be completely different, but also I think it's going to, it's going to aid in that excitement. And, you know, the NBA bubble, it had its ups, it had its downs as far as experience wise, but I think they executed it to the best of their abilities and super excited to hope the, the NCAA can, can kind of translate that as well. I will say it does suck because we were supposed to get some games in Denver this year. And I was really looking forward to that. We would have obviously been there. That would have been amazing. We'll get there whenever it happens. Um, We're going to move on. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about this, but I will say, I wonder if it being all in one location, limiting travel, I think we could see some really high level basketball, less distractions. I mean, in Orlando, we saw some really high scoring, efficient games. There are also some weird ones, but you know, for like a team like Iowa, a team like Gonzaga, a team that can just score, they're going to thrive in that scenario. Yep, because they're not going to have to get out of their routine. They're going to get in Indiana and they're going to get in their routine. They'll have shoot arounds in the morning, you know, and have a couple days off in between. But it's just they're going to get comfortable. And you hope that it's obviously not as long as the NBA bubble because. Because, you know, that was three, four months, and that was just grueling on players that you talk about that. But for a couple weeks to execute this tournament, I I think it's absolutely doable, and I completely agree. I think you're going to see more consistent games. I I, I anticipate there being less flops, if that makes sense. Less games where it's like, oh, if this team was averaging 80 a game, and all of a sudden they come out and drop 56, you know, because they're just – they're going to be able to get in Indiana early because they're going to have to quarantine, go through all that testing – just get better acclimated to their environments. Whereas in years past, you know, they're flying in on Tuesday, Wednesday, game Thursday, Saturday, and then they turn around, they fly home, then they fly to their net. You know, it's this this whole thing. So going to be a different environment for sure. Should be, I don't know, better or worse is subjective, interesting nonetheless. (laughs) I don't think it's ever better without fans. Yeah. But it should be really exciting and and we're going to love it. I mean, college bat we're the guys that watch all these games on random tuesday nights in november so of course we're going to watch the ncaa tournament <laughs> in whatever format it's in um we got a couple of local teams that are hoping to potentially contend for the tournament really three i'd say because unc probably in that conversation in the big sky but uh before we do that let's talk about our our team of the week and our player of the week i'll let you go first who's your team of the week Yeah, so I could not decide between Minnesota and Northwestern, so I went ahead and put them both. I would lean towards Minnesota just because uh, they they were unblemished on the week, and Northwestern did have that loss to Iowa. But even still, you know, we talked about the Big Ten at length. Those are two teams where, you know, I I try for the team of the week to go a little bit, and you do as well, try to go a little bit off the cuff because it'd be so easy to just say, oh, Gonzaga, team of the week, because they're that good. And, you know, I'm contradicting myself a bit because when we get into player of the week, I picked a Gonzaga player. But looking at Minnesota, yeah, sometimes you have to. When you look at Minnesota and Northwestern, they're exciting young team, or, you know, sorry, young, but they're exciting up and coming kind of dark horse teams is more of what I went by that. And, you know, again, we talked about the Big Ten at length. Very excited to see how they shake out in the entire conference play because, you know, realistically, it's easy to not easy, but it's it's reasonable to say, oh, we can go in and start hot one week in conference play. But one week is different than one month, different than, you know, two months. So how they put it together long term is going to tell a lot about where these programs are at. Um, either which way, I think they're gaining a lot of momentum for the years to come. But as far as this season goes, still a couple question marks, still excited to see where they go. 
Perfect. I think you nailed it. My team of the week, I'm going Drake. I already briefly talked about them earlier. Look, they haven't really played anybody that great yet, but they're 11-0, and 11-0 is 11-0. And if you're a gambler, no team has made me more money this year than Drake. They're killing it. They just, they're a cover machine. As reliable as it gets, I'm all in on Drake. Yeah, it, you know, like you said, it's tough because they haven't necessarily played that many great opponents, but at the same time, you can only judge a team really on, on what they've done in front of them. And Drake is a team like that where you can't describe, I mean, they're, they're unblemished, they're perfect in their record and against their spread. Like you said, they are taking care of business. So while it's tough to project them as far as how much noise they could make full time come, you know, the NCAA tournament, because, you know, at this point they're 10 and 0, they're absolutely on track to earn that bid, but how much noise they end up making is still subjective because they haven't gone through those tests yet. But at this point, if any team is still undefeated, you absolutely have to put them up there with, with some recognition because college basketball is so much different than college football, where a team like Alabama could be 4-0 or, you know, Georgia or Clemson, they could all be 4-0 in a regular year. And, you know, three of those wins come against, you know, a church group, for lack of a better term. So, you know, undefeated in college football is a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. You know, take Colorado, for example. They started out 4-0 this year, but didn't exactly beat the wheels off anybody. College basketball is different because it is so much closer on a night-in-night-out basis, regardless of opponent quality. So, Shout out to Drake, uh, you know, Kale, our producer here, uh, and uh, graphics guy at DNVR. He's all aboard that hype train, you know, so it's great to see them doing well. Exactly. He's a, he's a Drake alum. He's all in. Kale, if you're listening, we love you, buddy. Thanks for making all of our work look better. While the holiday season may be winding down, the sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there's no shortage of action and there's no better place to get in on all of this action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? To celebrate this year's college football playoff, DraftKings is giving all new users the chance to bet on any semifinal team to win the championship at 100-1 to odds. That's right, all you gotta do, bet $1 on any semifinal team to win. If they win, you cash $100. Easy, easy money. Dollar dollar bills. While we are all excited for football, let's also not forget that the 2021 basketball season just kicked off. So head to the app now. Check out all that they have to offer, including daily odds boosts, live betting props. It's a blast. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any semifinal team to win it all. That's the code DNVR for new players to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds. Any semifinal this week for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Who's your player of the week? Yeah, so player of the week, like I said, I'm going to shout out Gonzaga. It it would be easy to pick pretty much anybody on Gonzaga. I'm going to shout out Corey Kispert this week because, you know, he had a, he had a good game. He had a, a good stretch of games. He's playing fantastic basketball. But this is more so outside of just team of the week and more so because I haven't given him enough love 
as far as just being a vet on that team, you know, being overshadowed by Timmy and some of these dudes. Yeah. You know, when, when you've got Jalen Suggs and Drew Timmy, it's easy to kind of fall behind in the shadows a bit, but Corey Kisper is still, he's their veteran guy. He's shooting lights out. He's shooting 62% from the floor and 52% from three. It's he's putting together an incredible campaign and he, you know, combined with Timmy and combined with Suggs, these are all guys that are making their impact of why our weekly sentence is just Gonzaga is a lot better than a lot of different teams. It would be tough to not pick them to win it all at this point. Have mercy. Those stats are insane. They're, they're unheard of. They're out there. Other world. <laughs> I mean, it's just think, think about that on the most basic level. Corey Kispert is going to make one out of every two, three pointers he attempts. That's insane. If I'm Corey Kispert, I'm taking a three every time, you know? So he, and I I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect those stats to continue, but through nine games and you still put up those numbers, I mean, who knows? I will say if we're going by the logic of Mark Titus, he would say that Corey Kispert is actually a selfish player right now because he's not (laughs) shooting enough threes because anybody that shoots above 40% from three is not shooting enough threes then. I don't know. Maybe he's a, I'm just kidding. That's, that's absolutely insane. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind the logic, <laughs> but no. Yeah. When your team is not to know, he's clearly doing everything he needs to. Yeah. I have some money on Gonzaga to win it all. I usually don't bet this early, but at this point it was like, I might as well get it while it's still at plus odds because right. you know, it's not going to be come March. Wow. Yeah. God, Gonzaga is just something else. I, I it's one of those, we, we don't want to just ramble about Gonzaga and Iowa every week and Baylor and some of these top teams. That's what we really try and talk about. The Big East and the Pac-12 and the Mountain West and the American a little bit. It, it's not as strong this year, but there are, you know, Houston. Man, it's just good to have college basketball back. My player of the week, we've already talked a lot about Minnesota, so I won't go on a lot, but it's Marcus Carr, man. 32 points for St. Louis, 30 points for Iowa, and then 19 versus Michigan State. He's a dude. He's a bucket getter. I'm about him. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you look at what Marcus Carr's been doing this year. He doesn't have – his lowest point total in a game is 15. And that was a game where he only shot seven times because they just didn't need him to score that much. He is a guy that is – honestly, he is sneakily in kind of that top tier of players, especially when you look at just the Big Ten Conference as a whole, as far as who can really challenge Luca Garza for, for a conference player of the year. I, don't point. I didn't that. even think about that, but he's probably it's he'd probably be two right now. I mean, you kind of have to put him there and and granted, take it with a grain of salt because Luca Garza is still kind of the clear cut favorite. But right now, just looking at his production, 24 points per game, six assists, almost four rebounds, shooting 48 percent from the floor and 40 percent from three. You know, you'd like to see him cut down a little bit on turnovers. He's averaging just over two a game. If he can clean up and, you know. That's just, staying, a, that's just a usage thing. He always has exactly. the ball. So he, he yep. is going to turn it over a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also to say that too, that that's a fault is, is just wrong considering the team's nine and one. He's clearly not costing the team with his turnovers. That's just one area where, you know, it could improve if he needed to. But, you know, Luca Garza could also improve if he started shooting 95% from the floor. So it's all it's all about perspective. Marcus Carr, he is he, he's definitely one of those guys who's in the who's in the top two, three as far as player of the year goes within the Big Ten. Anybody that can outshine Luca Garza on any night is worth recognizing. So shout out Marcus Carr. I'm sorry I didn't remember your name earlier. 
promise I'm a fan. It was just a brain fart. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk a little bit of local basketball because we've got some exciting games coming up. And, and Colorado, you know, they're coming off of that tough loss at Arizona, but it's a tough place to play. It always has been. Where are you at with the Buffs? Are you are you still high? It was just kind of one of those nights where it seemed like, you know, it, it was too much on McKinley Wright's shoulders, and you know, nobody else really stepped up and got it done. Yeah, you know, I going into this week. The Buffs are on a three-game road stretch. They go at Arizona. They haven't won in Arizona since 1965. That stat is scary. It's definitely not great. But it's unrealistic to expect them to win there. It's a game you would have liked them to take. They were in it in the first half. You know, if you're interested on on the kind of the full game breakdown, uh, we did do a live show after that a couple of days ago, so you can check that out in the bus feed if, if you're interested on a full dive into Colorado basketball. I still am high on them because my expectation for this week was just go one and two because one and two on the road in college basketball keeps you competitive. It'd be great if they win two, three games, but it's just it's so tough to project so early in the season. They're still a veteran team. They need to steal one, though. They need to get one at USC or at UCLA. I expect them to be able to get one. If you ask me which one it is, I still haven't decided because USC, you know, diving into the Pac-12, they've been on a COVID break for, for several weeks, but they've got the kind of clear-cut freshman of the year in the conference and Evan Mobley. That's a big team. It's an athletic team. And then UCLA, Mick Cronin, that, that's just a suffocating defense. It's going to be tough to score points on them. They like to play a hybrid zone man defense. It's a complex scheme, but once you learn it, it it's very effective. And it's against for him everywhere. Yeah. And against Colorado, that is where it's going to struggle because McKinley Wright is not a good zone zone scorer. Um, he's a great point guard still, but you look at their game against Washington, he only had five points and it's because he just doesn't fit well attacking the zone. Now the good thing with McKinley Wright is he recognizes this, so he's not going to force shots if he does not have to. So he's going to be still efficient in that way. But going against UCLA, it's really going to be a game where you have to have other guys get into double digits. You can't bank on McKinley Wright. So I think as far as odds go on which one they're more likely to win, I would lean towards USC just because of how the two teams match up. I think Colorado's front court can somewhat maintain the Mobley brothers. Um, you know, there, there's no way to fully contain them, but they can at least stay competitive because of Colorado's size. But altogether, I, I'm still high on them in that regard. I still think they're a top four team in the conference, should be an NCAA tournament team. Um, Arizona, too, just to touch on them a little bit. It's interesting that they they beat a good Colorado team, and then the next day they announced their self-imposed postseason ban because of NCAA regulation uh, investigations on them. Can't so, even rub it in as a Buff fan. Nope, because it's like, oh, oh well, we lost. So <laughs> <laughs> it definitely a, a tough start to the week for Colorado fans for sure. Hopefully they turn it around. Hopefully New Year's Eve is enjoyed with a Colorado win and going into 2021 strong. <laughs> Look, man, I'll say this. As a CSU guy through and through, I get zero, zero joy out of Arizona beating Colorado because everybody knows what's going on at Arizona. Everybody knows that Sean Miller's a slimy dude and any day now he's going to get what's coming towards him. So, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to throw rocks or anything like that. You know, throw stones at glass houses or whatever. I will say I like Tad Boyle. I respect him a lot. I think, you know, CU basketball is fun to watch. Oh man, I don't feel great about either of these games though, just on the road. And I, I could really see them going 0-3 in this stretch, and I think that'll you know probably get a lot of people to panic. I still really like this team down the stretch. I think with McKinley Wright, 
they're going to get it going offensively with some of these other guys. They played a lot of games away from home. That's one thing that I think, you know, maybe doesn't get a lot of factor. They haven't gotten to play that many games in Boulder. That'll even out a little bit as it goes on. I'm not going to panic about the buffs. Could get lucky though with USC if they come out cold after the COVID break. That's kind of been a theme for most programs, except for Gonzaga. They're not human. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was going to say during our last podcast when we did this, we were like, oh, you know, Iowa might be able to sink by if Gonzaga is a little cold after the outbreak. And then all of a sudden it was like immediately like, nope, that was a wrong take. So part of me wants to think that, you know, USC, they're going to have some rust. But at the same time, I almost feel like, no, nah, it's going to be bad. I, I completely agree. I think 0-3 for this stretch is absolutely on the table. And, you know, if, if you're a Colorado fan or also if you're just, you know, trying to expand your knowledge on the Pac-12 and some Western teams here, there's 0-3 is definitely not the end of the world. Like you said, they're going to return to home. They'll be able to pick up some wins there. And the Pac-12 also, they they are in a, a power complex wherein there is not a clear-cut top team. So not realistically, it's wide open. Yeah, and so Colorado, they could lose all three games this week. They could still end up winning out as they pick up their steam. So the Pac-12 is not a conference. I would peg any winners or losers until the very end just because it's going to be right up to the wire. The talent gap between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is large, but the dynamic is similar in that it's going to be tough to project week in, week out where these guys are at. You're just going to get a lot of cannibalism. Before I kind of talk about CSU San Diego State, where are you at with Oregon? You know, Oregon, I think they they just need to show me more still. I, I think they're they're still going to be a top 20 team just because they're Oregon. And they've bounced back from that early loss to Missouri, a loss that looks better and better every week. I still would like to see them get some better victories in. You know, I, I'm just kind of going through their schedule right now. They beat Washington by three points. And for reference, Colorado beat Washington by over 40. So that is concerning as far as comparing um, similar games, just because Washington is not a good basketball team right now. Um, And whether or not Oregon was prepared for the zone defense, the zone defense always throws people for a loop in the beginning. But, and then also, you know, they're just, I I just don't feel confident with them just yet. They've got a chance though. They've got a, a stretch at home. They're playing Cal and Stanford. Cal is a kind of middle of the tier team. They're five and four right now. Um, they've, they've got some scores, but Stanford is a good basketball team. They're five and two. So they haven't played as many games as some other teams, but they really are a top 30 team at this point. And then they come to Colorado, uh, on January 7th. So they've got a good little stretch here where they can prove it, show they belong. I do agree. Like, yeah, they're going to be a top 25 team right now because that's just where Oregon's at in the program. They've got some good players, but again, Oregon is with me with Michigan, as far as good program, good leadership want to see it on the court this season well put i i, I struggle where with what i was tongue-tied i struggle <laughs> with where i'm at on oregon i just i feel like peyton pritchard kind of made up for a lot of flaws on that team last year he was kind of their eraser whenever things were going wrong i was like all right well we'll just let peyton pritchard take the next four possessions he'll get three scores and get fouled on the fourth and you know then it's fine how are they going to shape up against some of these better teams that January 7th game against CU should be a should be a really exciting one. That's a big opportunity for the Buffs. They got to get that win on their home court. Yep, absolutely. They, they have to take care of business. And, you know, almost a year ago today, January 4th, they upset Oregon at home. Oregon at the time was number four overall. Then what happened? They go up and put up a dud against Oregon State two nights later. And that's what this team needs to avoid, you know. 
And that's at home. Again, they could go 0-3 on the road and say, you know what, those were three good basketball teams. They re- those reasonably could be the top four teams in the conference. But you've got to take care of business at home. This year is so different as far as atmospheres. You lose a little bit of that home court, but you're hoping to get Oregon, Oregon State, get them up to altitude and, and be able to kind of take care of business there. Yeah, Oregon touched on Peyton Pritchard. I think his legacy has only grown since he left because, yeah, he he covered up a lot of holes on that roster. And also, he's playing some great basketball right now in the NBA. So definitely interesting to see kind of where Oregon goes uh, in the next month or two. Pac-12, it's going to be interesting. CU, I think, as long as they finish in the top three or four, don't lose too many, you know, bad games. They're probably a tournament team. You know, probably don't want to get upset in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament or anything like that. But I think uh, as, long as, the, as long as they get in, they should be able to make some noise. I, I like what that roster can do. I really like McKinley Wright's ability to close. I know it didn't really show in that Arizona game, but you know, right before that, closing down a game, he had a bunch of just really clutch floaters. D- the dude's just a baller. I, I really like his game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is Colorado's chance. You know, McKinley Wright, not very likely he's going to come back next season. You've got a lot of other seniors on this team that are kind of up in the air between Deshaun Schwartz, Dallas Walton, Jariah Horn. I mean, a lot of your key contributors are guys where there are question marks about whether they want to come back. So this is Colorado's chance, you know, make a push, whether you make it to the NCAA tournament, you know, obviously I think the, the main goal would be a sweet 16. I think that would be an undeniable a plus plus season, but at the same time, you've got some underlying goals as well. You want to be top four in the conference. You want to make a push in the conference tournament. They've got a lot of goals to, to show where this program is at. I think they can, but it's tough to have full confidence in them after that second half collapse against Arizona. Going to be interesting. Let's flip to the other local team, Colorado state. They're four and one. Everybody kind of panicked. They had a really bad showing at St. Mary's in which they only scored 33 points. And I mean, it was, it was bad, bad. After that, they really recovered, uh, played well against Fresno State the other night. They've got Fresno State today. They've got a really big series coming up on the road against San Diego State. Actually, a, a really big opportunity for the Rams on a national stage. 2 p.m. game on CBS. Kind of surprising, to be honest. But they're going to be on the national spotlight. They almost took down San Diego State at Viejas last year. They just couldn't hit some threes late. I'm really intrigued to see how they kind of shape up in this matchup. The Aztecs have great length, and I think that's going to be an issue for CSU. They don't have, they just don't have a ton of size, and they're pretty inexperienced down low. But the Rams, man, they're really fast. They're athletic. They shoot well. I know it hasn't always shown this season, but they actually finished last year as the best three-point shooting team in the Mountain West. I think it's going to translate eventually. We're kind of starting to, starting to see them pick it up after that COVID break. If you're the Rams here, if you could split against San Diego State, obviously that would be phenomenal. I should clarify, if you're not familiar with the Mountain West, they're doing two-game series now. You play both games at one location. It's kind of like college hockey. Unfortunate when you like have to play San Diego State twice on the road, Wyoming twice on the road, stuff like that. Obviously benefits you in other games, but just be competitive because realistically you're probably going to drop both games to San Diego State. I mean, they're a clear-cut top 20 program, got a ton of size. Just be competitive, you know what I mean? Like, if you can go out and you play well against them, I really think it's an opportunity to kind of build off the momentum and kind of push towards that top three, four range in the Mountain West because behind San Diego State, yeah, Boise State, I think they're the clear-cut number two. Utah State's been a little shaky. So, you know, I think you could compete for that three, four range. At that point, you get in the Mountain West tournament, anything is possible. 
I'm not sure, you know, an NCAA tournament appearance is going to be expected just because, you know, they're not going to have the resume non-conference wise based on how this all played out. But I'm excited to watch this game and it's a, it's a great opportunity. And I'm excited for everybody else to kind of pay attention to San Diego State some more because as I've always said, they're a top 20 team. Pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Colorado State got the short end of, of the COVID stick. Missing your first six games, that, that was a great chance for them to compete against. You know, they had games against Cal, Oregon State, Colorado, Northern Colorado, all canceled. Those are great games to just kind of showcase what you've got and build up that non-con resume. They're sitting at four and one right now. That's a great spot to be in because that one loss to St. Mary's, here's what you do with that game tape. You throw it in a trash can and you burn it. It was a fluke. fluke. Total it fluke. Was a total fluke. You don't have a game like that. You don't have a game where you go out and shoot 13% from three. That just doesn't happen. So ignore it. It happened and you got to deal with it, but, but it's done. You have a great opportunity. If they steal a game against San Diego State, that's going to do a lot for, I mean, this program's confidence because San Diego State, after what they did last year, they now have national credibility. Now, granted, you say that, and then they drop out of the top 25 after just one loss, but they're still a very sound basketball team. They've had a couple big wins. You know, they've beaten the likes of UCLA, and, you know, they beat Arizona State as well. That one loss to BYU, it hurts, but they're still a good team. I think that when you go against a team like San Diego State, the back-to-back helps a ton because totally. even though you're on the road, first of all, this is the best season to have a back-to-back on the road at one place just because you're not going to have to deal with the fans of, of, of the situation. So that's at least helpful. But let's say they go out there on Saturday and they lay it dud. Let's say San Diego State runs them over. You learn so much, and Sunday you can spend fixing all of those errors. It's fresh in your mind. You don't have to think back to that game tape if you play a team, you know, a month in between. So I think in a weird way that this does benefit Colorado State a lot going up against a a more talented roster because it's going to be so fresh in their mind. Sunday is just going to be an all-day, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner of sitting down looking at tape, whether they win or lose, because everything's going to be so fresh in their mind, and they should be able to play a much cleaner game. So I think Saturday, it could go either way as far as, you know, how competitive the game is. But then when you turn around on Monday night, I would expect Monday night to be a very close game no matter what. And so even if CSU drops both of those games, if they stay competitive on Monday, it shows you belong. It shows you can compete as a top two, three, four team in the conference. And like you said, just got to position yourself in a place where you can make some noise down the road. Because ultimately, these wins are important for one thing and one thing only. And that's how you see it in the conference tournament. Because you could go 0-16, win the conference tournament and still get that auto bid. And that's why I love college basketball is you can learn so much. Even if you have a really bad regular season, you can still make some noise. I love how you lay that all out. It's just a great opportunity to learn about yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to be heavy underdogs going into this. So if, if you play well, it really, you know, gives you a chance to get some confidence. If you lose at the end of the day, it's like, ah, you lost to a really, really good team on the road. You move on. It is what it is. Historically, CSU does hang pretty well with San Diego State. I will, you know, obviously talk about this in way more detail on the Rams pod, so we won't, you know, dive into the details of the matchups and all of that stuff. But I think the Rams need to get out in transition. They got to hit threes, and they just can't get killed on the offensive glass. If they give San Diego State a bunch of second-chance opportunities, it's going to be hard because they're not that great of a three-point scoring team. But if you give it a good, experienced team like San Diego State two, three opportunities a lick, 
they're going to make you pay eventually. And, and that's just what good teams do. So I'm really looking forward to it. Excited that CSU gets to play a game on national television. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Personally, I think the Rams are going to play competitive, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any other games you're looking forward to in these next couple of days? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to highlight one in particular because we, we've talked a lot about some of these teams and some of their forward matchups. I want to talk about Tennessee, Missouri. That is a super exciting a game. game in the SEC. I mean, that has so much potential for so many different ways for it to go. Whether it's Tennessee establishing themselves as a top five team, whether it's Missouri saying we are still underrated at number 12 in the country, that is going to be a big time matchup. That game is actually going to be played. I believe it's today. So depending on when this podcast posts um, is, is going to be the outcome on that one. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling it up. So, so that's going to be a, an exciting game. 7 PM on December 30th. Both these teams undefeated, looking to establish themselves as the clear-cut number one in the SEC because that's a conference that I think is very interesting. You've got some kind of more underrated teams like SEC and Alabama who can still make noise. You've got Georgia and Arkansas who are still undefeated. And then you've also got Tennessee and Missouri, very highly ranked. Lots of potential in that SEC. And real quick, since we're talking about the conference, just to touch on it, Kentucky out for this season. Just going to rule them out on the injury report. They are not doing anything. That loss to Louisville, lost to North Carolina. They, they packed it in for the season. I, I do believe that at this point. I, I had some faith that Cal, Coach Cow would turn it around, even though I don't even like the guy, but you just expect it from him. This season, I think, is just not for them. Oh, he's in full excuse mode. It, it's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's not his best season, man. He's throwing players under the bus, complaining about the scheduling. Like, my, Get over yourself, Cal. Yeah. We tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. He made us look like fools. A couple of other games. We got Texas, Kansas on January 2nd. Another opportunity for Kansas to either prove, hey, we're still that top dog in the Big 12. Or Texas, you know, a team who's kind of jumped on everybody's radar after not really being on it coming in. We also got Ohio State, Minnesota on the third and Northwestern Michigan. So a lot of games. We'll kind of talk about those next week. Man, so much good college basketball. Yeah, it... It's a great time. You know, you got New Year's Eve tomorrow night, and that's going to open up a nice long weekend where people can sit back, relax. You've got tons of football on as well. This is, you know, last week we talked about all the key key matchups as well as, you know, going on with college football conference championships. This week, no different. This is going to be a, a ton of fun. Should be a great college weekend altogether. And, uh, you know, excited for everyone to, to enjoy. We'll get back on it next week, talk about it all. Before we go, who wins the playoff games in football? Oh, it's going to be uh, Clemson and Alabama in the championship game, and I'm going to give the nod to Alabama. <laughs> Roll Tide. All when right, you've I got, love it. When you've got three Heisman finalists, I'm not banking on anybody else. I mean, that's just – it is what it is. <laughs> I will say Trevor Lawrence makes me extremely nervous. And just – we're all kind of riding Alabama into that title. Notre Dame's been really good this year. I know they got humbled in that second matchup with Clemson. I think we're out on them maybe a little too early. Ultimately, I still think my Crimson Tide get at home, take home that national championship. Haters can be damned. I don't care. <laughs> all right. We will be back next week. Plenty of hoops talk. Thank you to everybody that continues to support us. Check out the Buffs content. Check out the Rams content. All that fun stuff we've got going on. Boom. Stay safe out there, guys. 
I only seem to write when the words they don't come to me I'm staring at this page and I swear it stares back at me Read between the lines, see the blank and all the happenings It's been 35 and I ain't even wrote like half a thing Rhymes that make sense but more lines that didn't I was walking with my headphones heavy bumping pivot Simplistic white pages, they dreaming we were famous They say they like the cadence, mark the summers like cicadas my mood rings an alligator Spit like Vader with the saber Steady kicking it like Prater Staring at white paper It's habitual behavior Check the flavor That's some sage advice But confidence a great disguise And certain lines are idolized Like yeah I'm fine And I don't mind It's out of sight It's out of mind And I've been dwelling on my past Just to see what I can find Lost and found memories Of places I designed And my imagination's different now But I swear